0: You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. I am so excited. Um, We obviously had service this morning at 9.30, and the word was incredible. It is a word for right now, and I'm telling you, like I just prayed, you are not going to leave here the same. It's time. Change is coming. It's time. Things are going to come off of your life, and you're going to walk forward in freedom. So we have evangelist Mark Davy, who I've known for a long time. I he just said this morning that you were in the Quonset. 31 years. So I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> okay, that was six or seven, give or take. Yeah. Um, So I've known him for a long time, he's been a great friend to our family, he's been a great friend to this church, a great support to this church, Um, but I got to sit with him last night and it is very evident, you can feel it coming out of him, his passion and his heart for people, but for the nations of the world. And he's gonna talk about that, but we have, we're honored, we're absolutely honored to have you here today, so welcome him as he comes. And get ready.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. Great to be in a church that knows how to worship. Amen. You know, um, if you don't, if you haven't been to other churches, and I'm not encouraging you to do so, but because this is your home church, you'll find out that there's a lot of churches that don't know how to worship. There's a lot of churches that are, are don't even have a worship team. And you are blessed to have just people that commit their life to just setting the stage, the atmosphere for the presence of God and the moving of God. Amen. And so uh, sometimes you don't know what you got, but I pray that you would just thank God and, and bless God. Great to be in a great church that's moving ahead. Amen. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And uh, so what an exciting time. Thank you so much. I want you to come back at the end uh, with the music. That would be really great. What an uh, exciting uh, thing to be in Prince Albert today. You know, um, 31 years ago I came and I was with Pastor Glenn and the Quonset there. And all down through the years. And I think I was with, uh, with this uh, church on their, was it, 20, was it their eight, 25th, 18th? I don't know. One of the birthdays. And we celebrated and it was a great time. And uh, it was just, I just thank God to be connected with this church. But to see the church moving forward and going forward moves, uh, touches my heart. Amen. We've had some great times. uh, And uh, this year, uh, in March 18th, everything ground to a halt for us. But uh, the pastor of the church that I attend, when I'm not on the road, so that means that I'm usually there once a year. uh, Usually, uh, I usually preach there. But this year I was there a lot. And on uh, March 15 he stood up and said we're gonna donate all of our missions for the whole year in advance today and they sent out $150,000 a bigger church but they did that as an act of faith as a bold confession that they're not gonna go backwards that they're gonna come out of this without the smell of smoke that they that the, the waters aren't gonna overcome them and, and wonderful what happened was that in two weeks that hundred and fifty thousand dollars came back and then for the rest of the year uh, they've been up 20% in their giving. Amen. Praise God. Does that excite you? Say say something. Yes. Amen. And so uh, it stirred something in my heart. Uh, I didn't know what the results were going to be, but it stirred something in my heart that I'd stand and believe God that not one of our employees would have to be laid off. Uh, not one of our missionaries would have to be, uh, have to come home. And so, God has been good to us, and we kept about 60 people working and and thriving. We were feeding people in the Philippines. Our primary focus in the Philippines, other than evangelism, is to take people off the dump. They were living on the dump, and to move them and relocate them. And so, the only place that the government would give is a a swamp area. So, we built huts on on, uh, stilts, and then we made a walkway through. And then we put put electricity in, and uh, God's blessing that we fed those people all through COVID because they couldn't move. Do you know in the Philippines? Kids were not allowed to come out of their huts. The only time they were allowed is to go to the washroom. They had to stay in it 24 hours a day. And uh, you know, you're talking about a hut the size of the drum you know the drum stage, if that. And they had to stay in there 24 hours a day, and not just one kid, but you know, three, five, seven, ten. You know, terrible thing. In Africa, they said to me, and I had personal notes from my friends. I know my name, I actually know where they live. They said, we're gonna die of starvation before we die of COVID. And so we started feeding the people in Africa, in uh, Uganda and South Sudan. And then our newest operation is in Pakistan. Uh, We just got our NGO status. We're building a uh, a, a, a compound right now, a church and an office. And uh, we're, we're setting down roots there to do ministry there. Uh, I've gone there many times. The first couple of times I did crusades in Lahore, but we're not allowed to do crusades in other parts of the, 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 the nation. So we go into little towns. They put up these rugs. They call them tents, but they're just beautiful rugs. And uh, put them on the floor, put them on the walls, put them on the ceiling. And uh, they'll have five or ten, seven people that are saved and Christians. And they'll invite the whole neighborhood. And You know, two, three, four, five, six hundred uh, Muslims will come out. And can I tell you, every time we've preached, every time we've preached, 100% of the Muslims have raised their hand to give their life to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's exactly the way. And I know they're following through because, the, you know, the, the, the groups are not five and seven now. they are 150, 275, 300 people already. The, the fruit is coming. Praise God. They took us to a, a factory, a brick factory, and I, I questioned, why are you taking us there? But when I got there, I understood that there were 300 slaves, children, moms, dads, that were slaves in this brick factory. and. You know, it concerned me. I saw what was going on. With all we're doing, we have a, you know, we have a medical center. We have two schools. We have two Bible colleges. We have churches. We have Operation Rescue. We have all these different corporations that are doing things. We're rescuing women off the streets, teaching them baking and how to make shoes and how to do hairdressing and, and, uh, you know, other things. And then we're in the prisons. And so all the things we're doing, and I saw this and it just gripped my heart. I want to show it to you and uh, then I'll get into the word. Praise God. So some people asked us, why don't you, you know, make a big deal of it and, and uh, get it all over the government and, you know, let this uh, video go, you know, on the internet. And we don't want to close the doors that God's opening, right? And at the same time, you know, we're not excited about that going on. This is a political, it will be a political decision that has to be made by the highest authorities and we don't want to embarrass them into making change and closing the doors for Christians. We'd rather keep on ministering there and gently move towards that, amen? So what the Lord spoke to us is I said to my team, I said, guys, you got to go in there once a week and minister. They called me back two weeks later and said, we can't go in once a week. And I said, well, then can you at least go in two or three times a month? And they said no. And I said, and, and they said, we have to go in there twice a week. And so it's a good journey for them to go, get there. And so they're going twice a week. And then in the course of it, I felt, you know, in my spirit, I can't, you know, l- drop everything I'm doing with all we're doing and start freeing slaves. But what I can do is we can make sure there's a gospel outreach there. And we're going to put a church right beside that brick factory. We already have land. And we have the bricks given to us by the brick uh, the, the brick make the brick owner he likes us, and I like I kind of like him, but i don 't like what he 's doing but uh, there's a relationship there and he 's going to help us with the bricks, and then we 're going to have to raise money for the rest but we 're believing in early two thousand and twenty one we 'll be able to put up a church to worship on fridays that 's when they worship over there and then also uh, put up a school, like a, it will alter, it also be a school during the uh, weekdays and will be a place where those uh, young uh, slave kids can go to school. Do you know that, that mom? Her parents had never been to school. She'd never been to school. And none of her six kids have ever been to school. So the parents are willing. They work 12 hours a day. You think you work a long time. They work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And all they get is enough money for food. That's all. And so, uh, but the parents said they're willing to work an extra two hours on weekdays so that their kids could go to school for two hours. That's, that's real love, amen? And so we're going to do this. It's exciting. This is what we can do. And I'm, there's factories like this all over Pakistan. It really breaks your heart. And this is the one that Buggy Walla is the one that God uh, put in our heart. To minister with all the other things we're doing, but we're going to keep uh, a thrust into Pakistan also next year. The doors to Saudi Arabia is opening up for us to go and minister. Amen. And we're already in Qatar. We're already in Kuwait, and other Middle Eastern countries are opening up. So keep in prayer. When I was a young boy, the Lord told us to take the gospel to the North Africa, and Middle East. About four years ago, I said, "Lord, the Middle East doesn't even opened up yet." And uh, you know how many know that God has a timing. But when the timing is right, and then without me doing anything, all of a sudden, the doors started opening up. And it's like a flood. They're opening up in the Middle East. So keep on praying for us. We're taking the gospel. We are your hands extended. Uh, we're your mission, one of your missions projects. And so as you, give to, as you give to the church, you're tithing to the church. This church is also helping us. And so when you get to heaven uh, in, in eternity, you're going to find out there's rewards for you that you didn't even know you were going to get. But uh, how awesome is that, amen? And so I want to just thank you, appreciate it. Just make mention, there's some materials in the back. I'm not a salesman, but I do have some things available. If you are interested in being a better witness, there's three DVDs out there. One's called The Macedonian Call, The Heart of the Evangelist. Here's one called Effectively Communicating Your Faith. And here's one called God Uses People. Very funny uh, uh, message, but uh, just so true that God can use anybody, anytime, anywhere. And then if you're struggling in making decisions right now, here's a CD called The Power Decision. Uh, Also a book that 64,000 people came to the Lord in three and a half weeks. This is not a sterile book. You know, sometimes you read a book and you think the author is so wonderful and perfect. Well, you guys already know I spit and sweat and all that stuff. But, but you'll also, if you read this book, you'll also find that I have moments when I shake my head and say, what am I doing here? And yet in the midst of it, and I also, also battling, my father went into the hospital. Uh, my mother went into the hospital with a stroke. Three and a half days later, while I was over in Africa, my father went to go visit her and he had a massive heart attack. Three and a half days later, he had a quadruple bypass. I called and said, I'm coming home. He said, no, you're not. You can't do anything here that you can't do over there. You stay there and keep on preaching the gospel. And so with all that was going on, God was so gracious to see a great harvest. But here's one. It's 100 confessions to set you over. God said to Jeremiah, behold, I put God, my word in your mouth. You know that when God's word gets in your mouth, it will give you strength to get over. How many want to get over some things? Get over your laziness, get over your sickness, get over your financial problems. Well, I believe God's uh, word is like a medicine and I've challenged people and I've had great results. I have uh, people tell me all the time to take three scriptures, stand in front of the mirror and uh, make a confession of faith. Take you less than a minute and a half, but if you'll do it every day, I I believe that that by the end of the month, you'll find yourself so much more strong strong and able to do the work of ministry. Praise God. Let's get in the Word. Are you ready for the Word? Say, I'm ready for the Word. Genesis 4.25. Genesis 4.25. We're going to start in Genesis, and we'll finish in Revelation about four o'clock this afternoon. And if you're here, uh, you'll be the only one, because I'm not going to be here. Praise God. Genesis 4.25. And Adam knew his wife again, one translation says, and Adam slept with his wife again. That's the message. One translation says, and Adam, uh, and Adam had sexual relationships with his wife again. One says, and Adam tried again, and they had a son, and they called him Seth, saying, God has granted me another son in the place of Abel, who came killed. Well, uh, When I read that scripture, some of you men were, you know, you're all excited that I was going to have a uh, seminar on marriage or intimacy, but that's not what this is about. It's about faith. And there are times when we have to, like Adam did, we have to try again. Everybody say, try again. Try again. And so it's my prayer, you know, as the word goes forth, every time the word God goes forth, it has the potential to change, to shift to uh, revitalize you and to, to make things different in your life. But there are times if you receive the word, if you, it could be this for you right now, it could be that you receive this word and it's a life-altering word that totally revolutionizes your life. And so I pray it will be in Jesus' name. The message title is Try Again. And so God creates Adam and uh, later on he takes a rib from Adam and he creates we, uh, Eve and when God created Adam, he called Adam man. And when God created woman, Adam looked at that uh, that beautiful sculpture and he said, whoa, man. And uh, you might, you heard that before, gong. Okay, so, uh, you know, I thought maybe it's so long ago that maybe there's a new generation rising up. But yeah, well, you know, obviously the, the most beautiful uh, part of the, uh, of Mary, you know, of man and woman is the woman, you know. And so, but praise God, the deal is simply this, that God created them. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over the earth. And so uh, they're in the garden. We don't know how long they were in the garden. Um, many Bible scholars that take, you know, things literally, they say, well, it's 8,000 years. When you look you talk to scientists, they say the world's millions and millions of years older. Um, God created, could have created the world so it looked like it was millions of years, 8,000 years ago. Or uh, it could have been created uh, millions of years ago. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, comma. And then the world was out without form and void. So one person asked, did you know anything that God ever made that was without form and void? Well, why was the earth without form and void? Some people believe that uh, over those years, the enemy roamed on the earth and he became the prince of the power of the air when he was cast out of heaven, and uh, that the world was, had no form, and it was without void because of the enemy being cast to the earth, and so Genesis is, for some people, they look at it as the recreation of the world. Whichever way you look at it, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to split hairs over that. I'm not going to argue with you. We can, we can walk together. Uh, I, I don't know which one I believe. Uh, I just I'm happy with either one. I'm good with either. Uh, But there's some things that we stand upon that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Amen. There's no name. There's no other religion that can bring you to 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 God. Well, I'll fight for that one. But other things, I'm not so worried about. But God created Adam and Eve, and they were in the garden. We don't know how long they were in the garden. They could have been there for years. But at one point, Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation. They listened to the serpent, and they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that a cloud came on that that sin entered them and Adam and Eve uh, slapped the beef a boogie and they went and hid. And that's, the, that's really the message of religion. All down through the years that when man has made mistakes, they've gone and covered themselves. They've gone to hide. They've gone to, to hide away. God in his mercy comes down and he said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Well, he knew where they were. He just wanted to make, he wanted them to identify themselves. And they said, we're over here. We're hiding. And God said, who told you to hide? Who told you to cover yourself? And they said, we covered ourselves because we're naked. We felt exposed. And so God in his mercy took an animal. And shed the blood and covered them with a cloak, which is symbolic, the beautiful picture of salvation that would come through Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb without a sin. And so uh, uh, Adam and Eve are covered and they begin to get restored. And they get back in their rhythm and they start... uh, Trying to fulfill their purpose and destiny and and they 're walking with God again and they 're walking in restoration and the Bible says they began to uh, they, they, they were fruitful and they multiplied and they had Two sons, one named Cain and one named Abel, and they're walking in the blessings of God. They're starting to take dominion. They're multiplying. They're, they're not only just putting in time, but now they're taking space. They're taking territory. They're fulfilling God's plan for them, and everything's going well, and they're walking with God, and everything's nice and wonderful, but one day they get hit, and an uh, uh, you know emergency hits. Uh, a surprise comes. A uh, uh, difficulty comes, and they wake up one morning to find out that Cain has killed Abel. And I don't know what it would be like for you but you know all of our lives we have times in our life when situations come and they blindside us. Situations come and they appear to take away our breath. Situations come, and they, we, we thought we were moving forward, but all of a sudden we find ourselves on our derriere and we get knocked down and this is life and this is what happens and, and uh, we all have experienced times like this. I don't know where you are right now, but I may be speaking to somebody right here in this crowd that your breath has been taken away. That, 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 that you feel like you're on pause, that you feel like every day is Groundhog Day, that you feel like you had plans and you had a goals and you had a picture of where you're supposed to be. And it seems like over the last six months, COVID has redefined you and you feel smaller and you feel less than you were before. I wanna just tell you right now, uh, situations and circumstances come to take our breath away. The Bible says that, uh, Cain uh, slew Abel. Abel's name, and I don't think it's uh, insignificant. I think it's, it was purposeful that, uh, that, that Abel's name means breath. It means the wind of God. It means the breath of God. And so when Abel uh, died, the breath of Adam and Eve was taken away. They lost their breath, if you will. And situations came, you know, I look at COVID and, uh, well, I have some friends that are busier than ever. Uh, There's a lot of people that, you know they their businesses have closed down, and they are not they weren't able to meet and they're just starting to get back on their feet right now and and they've lost territory and some have gone into greater debt than they had before and and the, and it seems like they're where they expected to be they're not there and 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 it seems like in a sense their breath has been taken away from them. I can tell you many many stories like that well, some people's life got busier a lot of people's lives got a slower well some people's lives uh, were more prosperous a great majority of people lost their way and lost their income and find themselves in more difficult situation like like their breath has been taken away. And so uh, this, is, this is how life goes. But I feel like there may be some that you just feel like you're stuck there. You can't get out, you know. Uh, I, you know, this is what happened. COVID came in and all of a sudden we got sideswiped. I was on a, a trip doing a, a Northern and Western Canada tour. And on March, uh, I was doing a couple days just before uh, March 15th. And then on March 14th, uh, I turned around and I came home. And from March 15th until just a couple weeks ago, uh, actually six months to the day, I was at home with my wife. And that was great, a wonderful time. I haven't been with my wife for six months straight for like 25 years. It was just wonderful. And we did a lot of work together. We worked together. We were with each other 24 hours a day. We went everywhere together, did everything together. We even built a deck together. She's a great helper. If if some carpenter had to come and volunteer, I would say, no, I want my wife instead. My wife was really good. We got along great. We never had one word. It was like I fell in love with my wife again. Not that I wasn't in love with her, but I fell more in love with my wife again after 36 years. And so it was great. But also then I felt at the beginning of August or the middle of August, I felt like, God, it's okay, life's all right, but I have a purpose, I have a destiny. I was chomping. By the end of August, I was chomping at the bit to just, you know, we're maintaining things in our countries and keeping our employees going. But I'm just chomping at the bit. I want to get back. I want to get back ministering to people. I want to rescue people. I want to help people that have, that, that have lost their breath. I want to help people that have been sidelined and marginalized. I want to help people that have had setbacks. Come on, are you with me right now? And so we've all had times. I don't know whether you've ever had this, but I woke, wake up some Mormons and I say, my God, what just happened? You know, and uh, and so, you know, sometimes you drop a bomb in your own ship and sometimes somebody else drops a bomb in theirs and your your ship takes on water. But um, that's how life is. And so uh, I believe the spirit of the Lord reminded me from Ezekiel 37 that it doesn't matter how much breath you've lost. That God Almighty can still breathe into dead, dry visions and dead, dry bones. Come on now. And he can breathe into uh, the dead parts of your life or the dead dreams or the dead visions or things that you thought was going to happen that are not happening. And he can breathe in and just one breath of God can bring it back again. Amen. I heard somebody say to me, uh, M- March 15 wasn't that long ago. It only seems like a nine or ten years. You know, it seemed like this long, long time that life went so slow. I had pastors say they thought they were going to go crazy. They just couldn't stand how things was going. And so it seemed like a long, long period. But as long as life seems to be, there can be periods when God makes a quick work of righteousness. And as slow as things have gone, God can catch it up and speed it up. Come on now. And I believe we're right in that time right now where God says it's time to gird up the loins of your mind and to gird up your spirit and get your act together and try again. Amen. It's time to try again. And Adam and Eve tried again, and they had a son, and they called him Seth. And so I want you to see here, I believe this morning, it's time to believe again. Everybody say, believe again. You know, uh, I got scars, but I'm not scared. Come on now. I'm not going to let COVID. I'm, I'm not going to let a setback. I'm not going to let situations. You're not going to let a divorce. You're not going to let an incident in your life when you got arrested. You're not going to let things that went on before. You're not going to let them stop you. You're not going to let them define you. Amen. I went through the fleshing virus in 1995. 11 people lost their life and I lost my finger. They say, what do you say to that? I say, well, I gave the devil a finger in 1995 and that's all he's getting. You know, but uh, but the truth is after it and I gave God the glory uh, for bringing me through. As a matter of fact, on the news and all the way down to Florida and California, uh, I was on not on the news in May, but I was also in the news. at the end of the year and giving God, they said, why did God do this? I said, God didn't do it. I, I want to give God the glory that he's the one that brought me through. I had a lot of people praying, but they wanted me to go on 100 Huntley. Now, God bless 100 Huntley. I know David and Norma Jean Mains. I grew up with Reynolds and Ronnie. We were the same youth group together, and Elaine and Ellen. I've been in their house many times. And, and so uh, when they called me up, uh, my natural incl- inclination was to go on and, and give God the glory for bringing me through. But then I prayed about it, and I felt that I wasn't supposed to go, that I could not allow, and, and you'll have to, you know, there could be two ways, you could look at this either way, but I felt not to go because I didn't wanna be known for the rest of my life as the preacher with the gimpy hand. Are you with me right now? I don't want to camp around there. In other words, I don't want to be the preacher who goes to, you know, the preacher with the gimpy hand who does missions, the preacher with the gimpy hand who goes across Canada. I wanted to be known as a man of God. In other words, I wanted God's purpose and destiny to define me, not a tragedy. Come on now. I want, I'm mean, here today. You might've been set back, but you cannot let COVID define you. You cannot let the fact that you got let go from your job define you. God's got better days for you. Amen. I have a friend over in Flin Flon was just with him. The pastor of the Flin Flon Pentecostal church there. And years ago when he was in Ontario, he got hit by, a, got hit by a moose and the moose ended up in his back seat and he broke his neck. Uh, and so for six months, he was laid up. They told him he'd never walk again. And uh, he confessed and he believed and believed and confessed and had ministries like Kenneth Copeland Ministries stand with him. And when he finally began to walk, uh, uh, he went on Kenneth Copeland's ministries and gave the testimony. And he was being uh, flown all over Canada to give the testimony, how God brought him through. And I felt to call him and just say, Michael, my friend, Great to give your testimony, share your testimony, inspire people, help them to believe again, but don't define yourself as the preacher who broke his neck. You got more destiny. You got more purpose on your life. That's just a party. Are you with me right now? People define themselves. I found out that people that people get to a place in their life where they look forward and they say, there's nothing more for me. I've done it all, said it all, gone everywhere, said everything. I had a pastor who preached for 12 years, and he passed it for 12 years, and he said, I'm over. I'm finished. God could never rise me up. I've made a mess of things, and God could never rise me up. He's writing his own obituary when he's only like 33 years old. And I'm saying, like, don't write your own obituary. God's not through with you. The reason why you're still sucking wind right now presupposes the fact that God ain't through with you yet, baby. So I I had a vision, open vision. I I saw two things just two weeks ago while I was driving. And I'm glad it was a vision, not a dream, because I wasn't asleep because I'm still alive. But I had an open vision while I was driving. And I saw, firstly, I saw a great warehouse in heaven. And in that warehouse, I saw angels writing in books. And I thought, well, there's only one lamb's book of life. I wonder what they were doing. And i discovered that they were doing what Psalms uh, 139 and other scriptures and Psalms says that they were writing in the book because God has a book for you in heaven. He's, he's writing a book of remembrance for you. I, did you know that? And so they were, they were writing and many books were, they were flipping pages and chapters were being written. And then I went over the other side of the warehouse and I saw piles and piles stack upon stack brief a uh, bookcase upon bookcase of people's lives, books that had dust all over them. And they were just uh, totally uh, uh, not being touched and nothing was being written. I said, what is going on? He said, that's people who are still alive, but they stopped living. They stopped believing. They stopped trusting. They just are in, uh, in neutral right now. They're not really going anywhere. They're not going backwards, but they're not going forwards. But God has called us not to stay in neutral. He's called us to go from glory to glory to glory to glory and from faith to faith to faith to faith and from victory to victory to victory to victory. And so it's time to put your, your, your gear in drive and get going. It's a time to try again. It's a time to believe again. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. And so the Bible says that these light afflictions which come on you, uh, they work with a much more exceedingly weight of glory. That's Second Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. Paul the Apostle was talking about light afflictions. He's talking about uh, Christians being dipped in wax and used for lighting in the Garden of Nero when he was having his parties. He's talking about Christians being thrown to lions. And the things that we've gone through over here in Canada, if they were light afflictions, these are light, light, light afflictions. But the things we're going through, they still hurt. They still mean something. They, they still uh, have uh, take their toll on us. But God said, I believe right now. It's a time to try again. It's a time to believe again. Listen, there are a lot of things you cannot control in this world. Can't control the temperature. you Can't control the environment. You can't control what your prime minister says. You can't control what they do to the south. You can't control all kinds. Of, you can't tr- control the price of oil. You can't control the price of food. You can't control what your spouse says. But you can control two things in your life. You can control your believing and your speaking. Paul Paul said, I believe, therefore we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. And what he was saying is simply this. We have a spirit of faith. It's not something we're trying to work up. God gave us a spirit of faith when we were born again. And if we'll activate it and let the word of God get into our heart, then we can also let the word of God flow from our heart. And if you want to fill your life with you know internet and fill your life with bad news and just keep scrolling all day seeing what more bad news you, you can have. Well that's fine for you but for me I'm going to believe the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to meditate upon the word of God day and night and get it in my heart so that when I speak and when I believe that the rudder of my ship will take me out of every storm take me out of every difficult and I will go and do what God has called me to do. Somebody. Say amen. And so we all are called to believers and speakers and to believe against. Hallelujah. Now, what's the balance of That Yes, we wear masks when we have to. Yes, we, you know, we Purell. Come on now. Yes, we, uh, we uh, you know, wash our hands 2,000 times a day. You know, And we do what needs to be done because we're in this world. But we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We do not let the attitude, because, you see, the attitude of the world is they want fear to just crunch you into a little box and make your life smaller and smaller and smaller. And the fact is, God doesn't want your life to be smaller and smaller. He wants you to be bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger, more influential and more influential. And you say, well, I don't know about that. What about the prayer that John the Baptist prayed? Well, let me explain it to you. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. What he was saying is, he said, we're at the end of the old covenant. I am the last Old Testament prophets. We are now entering into a new covenant, not of law, but a new covenant of grace. And we, I, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, the law must decrease. And Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, and the kingdom of God must increase. So a bad prayer you can pray is. I heard preachers, I actually prayed them before when I was young. I used to say, oh God, it's all of you and none of me. Well, if it's none of me, then let God preach. If it's none of me, let God go to the mission field. But he works through people. So I used to say, God, it's all of you and and none of me. But then I realized that God didn't want none of me. He wanted all of me. And he wants all of you. Amen. So what is the equation? It's not none of me and all of God. It's all of me covered by all of God. Hallelujah. And it's time to believe again that God can take our lives, purify us, and make everything that he's put in our life flow together for his good and glory and bring uh, results. I cannot afford to let the world's mentality get into my heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flow the issues of life. And then it says also, it says here, it says, here, uh, it says uh, so we have to guard our heart because it determines the parameter of our life. If you, your heart is small and, and you don't let God's word in your life, your spiritual life will be small. And you'll feel inferior, inferior, inferior and inefficient, insecure. But if you allow God's word in your heart, you'll get larger and larger and larger. Hallelujah! And the more you guard your heart and keep your heart pure before God, you're not going to let people disappoint you. You're not going to let people. You're not going to let unforgiveness rob your life. You're not going to let situations define you. But you're going to let God's word keep flowing in your heart. And the more it flows, the more your parameters get larger. And then the next verse says, uh, "Guard your heart." And then the next verse says, "And put away." a fro-word mouth. F-R-O, not forward, but froward. I looked up that word fro and it means a mouth that is not under conviction, not under compulsion, not under the compassion of Jesus Christ. In other words, bring your words through a filter, and let your words be words of goodness and faith. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and allow your words. So what I believe goes into my heart, what I speak comes out of my heart. And I refuse to let uh, this, this pandemic poison my potential. I refuse to let uh, this friction fracture my future. Come on now. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm aware, but I'm not compulsive. I'm aware, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, oppressed by the world. Hallelujah. And so it's time to believe again. It's also time to dream again. It's time to dream again. It's time to ask God, Lord, what are those things you gave me before? If you don't have dreams, to ask God to give you a dream. Why are you here on this earth? Are you here just to, you know, suck wind and blow wind and drink Tim Horton's coffee? Or Starbucks coffee? Whichever. I mean, are you here for that? Or are you here to make a difference in your life? And God wants to make a difference for your life. He hasn't called you just to put in time. He wants to to make your life significant and purposeful. And so it's time to dream again. God gave me a vision when I was a young kid that I would take the gospel into Africa and I would be an evangelist. And and later on, he defined it when I was in Bible college that it would be North Africa, Middle East. And then in 1999, he, he said, now's the time to get out of pastoring and go and do it. And so I released, I got released from pastoring and went into this. In the last 21 years, we've been doing this and started believing God for 50,000 souls. But we've seen 2.9 million come to the Lord. Two years ago, the Lord started challenging me. He said, it's time to believe me for 10 million souls. And I thought, oh, God, I got to get going, man. I ain't getting any younger. Hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Tomato, tomato, catch up, you know. I got to get going, you know. And so, uh, but I feel the Lord just burning in my heart. And then I got into COVID. And I got into the rhythm of just, you know, going with the flow and, you know, kind of being patient and letting life just go like it's going and just maintaining. And then by August, I was like, I am enjoying this. But I got more to life than this. It's a time to take your finger off the pause button, friends, and start going. It's a time to try again. It's a time to believe again. It's a time to dream again. Hallelujah. Young Hee says this. He said, dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Is he giving you dreams and visions? Is he restoring that which has been stolen away from you through COVID or through some other situation? It's time to believe again again. It's time to dream again. Hallelujah. Are you still with me right now? And then finally, I want you to see it's time. It's time to expect again. So, well, you know, I haven't expected much. Well, you need to get your inspectors back up. If you can try again, you can believe again. You can dream again. You can expect again. The Bible says that God gave Adam and Eve, you know, they tried again. God gave Adam and Eve another son, and his name was Seth. What does that mean? Seth means compensation. They had their breath taken away, but God's got compensation. Amen. I looked at that word compensation. It means payback. Can I tell you right now? payback's coming. Hallelujah. I'm here to say somebody today, even today this is payday for you. Hallelujah. If you've gone through your struggles and tough times but you believed and you dreamed and you keep on expecting and God is not mocked and what a man sows he shall reap if he faints not. Hallelujah. And what does the Bible say? In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your children shall prophesy and old man shall dream dreams and young men shall have visions and I'll pour out my spirit Upon, the, uh, upon your sons and your daughters. Come on now. And then in the last stage it goes on further and says, and I will restore that which the cankerworm, the pomegranate, the locust has eaten away. I don't know what has taken you. I don't know what has caused your breath to be lost. I don't know what has set you back. I don't know what's got you off course. I don't know what's diminished you. But I'm here to tell you it's trying. And I believe if ever there was a time for the church to dream again and believe again and expect again, it is right now hallelujah so I'm determined that I'm getting back everything the devil stole from me during COVID come on now I'm expecting by the end of the year we're coming out better than we went into it hallelujah I'm expecting to come out without the smell of smoke I'm expecting to come out without the water uh, drowning me come on how about you are you expecting to come out better than you went into it hallelujah that's God's plan for us. Even though the world is suffering and, and, and getting smaller, the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God are to prosper and to thrive, not just to survive, but to thrive in Jesus' name. So God took me back to the book of Ezekiel, and I want to just finish with this today. Took me back to the book of Ezekiel. and There it is in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. It says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of dry bones. And caused me to pass by them around. And behold, there were very, very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered and said, O Lord God, thou knowest. In verse 11, it says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, These bones are the whole house of Israel. We could say today, dry bones, the bones of the church of Jesus Christ. And our hope is lost and many have been cut off from our parts. But God said, prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord, O my people, I'll open your graves and I'll bring you into the land of Israel and you shall be my God and I shall be your people And so I want you to see this. I had a vision. My second vision was this. And I'm not a a man to have a lot of visions. I know these are God. I saw bones scattered across the nation of Canada. I saw bones and I said, what are these bones? And God said to me, these are the bones of the church of Jesus Christ that have been scattered before COVID, have been scattered after COVID. Do you know some churches are not yet back to worshiping together? And many churches are worshiping and only a third or a quarter of their churches come back. Many are staying away. I've heard uh, that many churches are stronger financially, but it's been hard, very hard to get the church back. Listen to me, those of you watching on the internet. There may be a small fraction of you that are home because you're genuinely in a situation where you're older or you have a condition in your life and you need to stay home for your sake and also for the sake of others. But there's a lot of people watching on the internet today I want to tell you right now, I have a word from God. It's time to get back to church. And many have said, well, the world's coming to the end. It's time to get back to the church. How much more as you see the day approaching, it's time to get back into the house of God. And so God spoke to me, and he said, in every church, no matter how long you're there, how many services, on the first service, I want you to have the people stand up, and we're going to call these dead, dry bones back into the house of God. Some have been scattered because of backsliding. Some have been scattered because they... uh, Exalted their knowledge above God's knowledge, or they thought they knew more than the pastor. What's even worse, they thought they knew more than God. And so they scattered and they went alone. They left the church, thought they'd find another church, never found a church, and were too embarrassed to come back to church. And so they're all by themselves. Some are of the house of Israel or the house of God that don't know it yet, that are not yet born again. But the Lord told me to prophesy over the bones. And I want you to stand up in these last moments. We're just going to take a moment right now and we're going to prophesy to the dead bones and breathe the life of God. Would you lift up your hands all over this auditorium today? In the name of Jesus, God, I speak to every dead, dry bone across this province of Saskatchewan. Those that are backslidden, those that got their nose out of joint, those that got injured, those that have been separated and scattered from the body of Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I crawl call back every dead every dry bone I call back every thirsty bone in Jesus name I call them back into the house of God I hear the bones are rumbling now Lord God I say to those on the internet it's time to come back to the house of God it's time to get yourself into the body of Christ where your joint can supply somebody else's and somebody else can supply your joints hallelujah and I call the bones back into the house of God and I say the knee bone is connected to the hip bone and the hip bone is connected to the backbone and the backbone's is connected to the shoulder bone and we're all connected to the head which is Jesus Christ and I call these bones back into the house of God those that have been scattered across uh, Prince Albert those that once were in the house of God but have gone off by themselves Lord the body needs them and they need the body and so I call them back even right now I call sinews and fibers and flesh and skin upon them Lord God that the body might function be fitly joined together as a unit in Jesus name and then I speak over those dead dry bones and I speak the life of God into every bone I command in the name of Jesus this church to come alive like it's never been before. I say in Jesus' name, you will live and not die. 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 die. Every bone, every muscle, every fiber in the name of Jesus, I speak the life of God into you right now, and I command the life of God into the church even right now. I command the Spirit of God to move upon these people in Jesus' name. The breath of God into every department of this church the breath of God into every leader into this church the breath of God upon this pastor and upon the leaders Lord God every part of this church I breathe the breath of God into it and say oh you shall live and you shall not die in the mighty name of Jesus and I declare it's time to try again. I declare it's time to believe again. I declare it's time to dream again. I declare it's time to rise up in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your hands and just worship the Lord? I see a mighty army coming out of this church where the devil meant for your harm. God says he's going to turn around for your good. Your past won't define you. Your success will define you. The empty chairs won't define you, it's the full chairs that are going to define you. The losses aren't going to define you, it's the victories that define you. Your failures are not going to define you, it's your successes in obeying God that's going to define you. And I call this church up higher in the name of Jesus. Everybody say higher, further, onward, new rooms, new fears, new places. In the name of Jesus, I call this church into new realms in the name of Jesus. I speak healing over this church. I speak restoration over this church. I speak the life of God, not back to what you were. No, 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 no. Back to what you're supposed to be. Back to what God has called you to be. Back to what God has ordained that you should be. In the name of Jesus, every bone shall live. Every bone shall have of God in it in Jesus name and I call this church alive in Jesus name and I speak the life of God would you just bow your heads close your eyes I'm done in just about a minute but I'm wondering today there's anyone here maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering what is this guy preaching about but the day you realize there's something missing inside your life Pascal said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man I cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God. John Denver before he died he defined it this way. He said it's the endless yearnings of the heart. Something we're always yearning for that we can't find. God says that unless you're born again you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Today if you're here and you don't know you're saved, you're not sure you're saved, you say why do I need to be saved? Because Jesus said if you receive me you'll have life. And if you don't receive me, you shall not have life. But the wrath of God will abide on you forever. If you're here and you don't know you're saved, you're probably not saved because the Bible says it's given out to us to know that we have life eternal. If you're here today and you can't say for sure you're saved, let me tell you something. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm speaking to one person here and saying this. Do you realize today that you are on the brink of either Walking backwards in the old past that you've walked in, to the hang-ups, to the to the to the to the situations and circumstances of the past that brought you much pain, or you at the crossroads right now and the door is open and Jesus says, Come, and I will I will I will heal you. Come. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do you realize right now you're at the threshold? And either you're gonna go backwards by refusing or you're gonna say yes and you're gonna enter into the kingdom of God. You say, well, I don't understand it all. No, it's hard to know what the house looks like when you haven't stepped through the door. But God says, unless you enter the kingdom of God, you cannot, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you receive Jesus, you'll never really understand what the house is like. And you'll never understand what the house that God is preparing for you in eternity is like. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus, you're not serving Jesus, the best way to get your breath back is to open up your life and let Jesus come in and be your Lord and Savior. And I'm not gonna take much more time, but sir, young lady, I'm speaking to you. You're at the crossroads right now. All I can say is two men rode on horses back, one looked forward and one looked back. If all you're doing is looking backwards, you can just expect more of the same. But if you're looking forward, you'll ask Jesus to come into your life and. I believe God by his power will take you where you want to go into the the fullness and the purposeful life. You got a lot to lose here. If you don't receive me, you don't have life. But if you receive me, you'll have life. If you don't receive me, the wrath of God will abide on you forever. But if you receive me, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you might be also. You're here today. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. You're not sure. If you died today, that you'd make heaven. But you want to know for sure. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just counting to three right now. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to lift up your hand. Pray for me, preacher. I don't know I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. I want to receive this Jesus. I want my eyes to be open. I want to understand. If that's you, I'm going to ask you. To get your hand ready right now. You don't know Jesus not serving. Jesus I'm not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven. But you want to know for sure on the count of three. Get your hand ready right now. One. Two, three, lift up your hand right now. All over this auditorium, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Sir, the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart right now. You're at the threshold, you're at the doorpost. It's either forward or backwards, it's either upward or downward. You can live your life without Jesus, but if you live your life without Jesus, you live without a prayer, a hope, a dream. You live without somebody to pray to, to call upon. But if you die without Jesus, you'll be separated from him for all of eternity. I'm waiting one more minute. Brother Mark, I don't know Jesus. I'm backslidden. I can't say for sure I'm saved. But I want to know, would you pray for me? Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to speak in the microphone. I'm not asking you to come forward. But is there anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? In Jesus' name, just slip up your hand right now. I'm giving you 10 more seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7. Now is the time of salvation. 5, 4, 3, one is there anyone else? Slip up your hand. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. Could we just stand right now, everybody, all over this auditorium, for the sake of the three people that raised their hands? Could we just all pray this prayer? Would you pray this prayer with me right now? It's important that you move your lips, say it with your mouth, believe it in your heart. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, everybody say it loudly. Dear Jesus, from this day forward. I receive you into my life. I need your life in me. I need your help. I ask you to save me, forgive me, cleanse me, purify me. I believe you died so I could live. You suffered so I could be well. You went to hell so I could go to heaven. You rose again so I could live a victorious life. And from this day forward, I boldly confess, I am saved. Hallelujah, let's give the Lord a praise right now. We just clap for a second? For these people that raised their hand over here and over here and over there. I pray for you right now in Jesus' name. One final prayer, lift up your hands right now for this church. Father, we pray for the pastor, the leaders, and this congregation that this might be the beacon of life that this might have the church with the greatest breath of God. That this church might be a church that totally fulfills your purpose in this city, Lord God. That the life of God would be seen here in signs and wonders and miracles and healings and marriages that are broken and restoration and relationships heal, Lord God. That this would be a, a revival center, a healing center, a place where the breath of God is in. And that it'd be a place where the bones could come back together in Jesus' name. May this be a church that tries again, believes again, dreams again, and expects again in the name of Jesus. Let's give to the Lord a praise right now. Amen and amen. God bless you. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.